1: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family.
0: Hello and welcome to This Is Your Laugh, the podcast that interviews well known female stand ups and comedy actors about what comedy has taught them about life. This podcast is brought to you by ITV Comedy 5050, and we're your hosts, Roxy and Alice. Our guest today is actress Dune McKeegan. Her TV credits are genuinely too innumerable to list in entirety, but to quickly whiz off a few, she's played Jane Pluff in Toast of London, Flavia or Flavia in Plebs, Cathy in Two Doors Down... Archangel Michael in Good Omens Sarah in Pure and of course, probably most famously she wrote and starred in Channel 4's cult comedy series Smack the Pony alongside Sally Phillips and Fiona Allen
1: Her radio credits are as long as The Great Wall of China in which she's I love that line, Roxy, wanted yes, me cut out. it but I insisted in which she's acted, narrated and presented and she's also appeared in films too shout out to The Borrowers <laughs> Oh my god, yes. Such right. a great film She's that. recently been seen treading the boards in David Mamet's Bitter to Wheat at the Garrick Theatre, also starring John Malkovich, and before that was in Twelfth Night at the National Theatre. She's graced the stages of the Royal Court, the Almeida and basically all the other theatres you've ever heard of in the UK. Dune, McEachan, Welcome to the show. Hello, Welcome. hello,
2: <laughs> marvelous. I like my little ta- my little tag here it says June McCain. Oh, D-U-N-E they, this is brilliant. McCain like the oven chips. They... So uh, this is going on my fridge because I have so many brilliant mispronunciations of my name. I... Don Mackie Chan is the, that's who I am at the doctors. Like Jackie Chan, I'm Don Mackie Chan. What's
0: well, so your medical you record? Say so Don Mackie Don Chan. Don Mackie Chan. This is
1: great though because if you want to go like you know incognito oh, or whatever. Grand yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah
2: off grid Chan wife of Jackie <laughs> yeah so that's it this oh, is really good it. I'm June
0: McCain welcome June, June McCain. they June do have McCain. a habit of doing that Alice we must have recorded what 10 episodes by now and today is the first day that Alice's name has been spelled correctly the first yeah, day think, yeah. I've
1: had all sorts of things I won't go into them but like some of them are barely recognisable Don Mackie Chan either. <laughs> Don <laughs> Mackie Chan is so good yes amazing yeah
0: um, um, so look we should say we, we've only just found this out this is Dune's very first ever podcast and
1: also Dune doesn't necessarily know what a podcast is I don't know what a, so Well, what I don't, I've never heard one
2: mm. um, and I, I did just so when does it go out
1: um, well that is to be determined but possibly in the next few weeks and where, which
2: frequency on the FM dial can <laughs> I find it is it pirate?
1: <laughs> so it's on the wind-up
2: radio, okay. um, and it's on um, it's, it's not in, it's in that SoundCloud that I can never find anything oh, in. God, oh, God, no. Is it? no.
1: Um, it is on, well, uh, Apple uh, podcast app
2: thing. See, I don't have a computer.
1: Right. Oh, my you God, really? No.
2: How do wow. you write? So I have a foot. I write longhand. <gasps> do you That's why these nails, I have to be taken off because I can't hold my pen. Oh,
0: my God. Patience of a saint. Dawn, we had Dawn French on this podcast and she's exactly the same, longhand. And yes. we just said, God, if there's a fire, you lock up your, um, you know, make sure you've got it in a safe. Yeah, somewhere. like flambard like, it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Do you but keep yours somewhere very, very safe? What my what? Your, your Your work as well. Really I've got so work.
2: many books, ridiculous, you know, different journals and books and leather bound things that I never write in because they're too pretty yes and uh, <laughs> full of gorgeous <laughs> waxy paper and then yeah there's a lot of I've left them at um, where I'm writing today in the library I've got my daughter's old um sort of a4 I don't like writing online so I like having blank paper because then I can do pictures and oh, so it's a bit more like a mind oh, map wow. if you have a the best thing is is um those big pieces of lining paper where you can draw pictures and then you can sort of like, well, if you're writing a, a screenplay or something, you can write characters and, but if, as I'm trying to do now, writing a femoir, feminist <gasps> memoir, Ooh. that's really hard because you go, Oh, I don't want it to be linear. I'm not going to go. And then I went to the RSC yeah. and then I, and then I went to the Nash and, <laughs> um, uh, I'm not quite sure whether I can do it, so I'm I'm practicing. Oh, the lights ooh. just went off. Oh, 70 <gasps> disco lights. Because it's
0: for explaining hours. Because we <laughs> just went. ooh.
2: hey, maybe it's because it's Eco Halloween. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think
2: we maybe leave it like this. Mood light. It's not listeners. It's not pitch black. No, okay. <laughs> very good. But it's very good mood <laughs> Look lighting. Look at getting the hang of doing podcasts. Know, explaining explaining visuals. Yeah. I was going to make some
1: jokes about being inappropriately touched in the dark, but now. <laughs>
2: Let's not do girls' no, touch. Let's, Let's not to do that. it. Let's not do it. Then the, the podcast will go... In a very different direction. Some news? sort of underground dark web.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, June, I want to say, I think it's so brave, though, to come on a podcast not knowing what a podcast is. So yeah. I find that admirable. Well, um, well done and thank you. Well, I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying, you know. It's just a chat,
2: isn't it? <laughs> it's just yeah, a chat. Just That's a chat. There's no yeah. expectation. It's somehow the new thing, though, isn't it? Because everyone goes... Oh, have you heard So and So's podcast? Have you not heard this podcast? And I'm podcast, podcast. Hmm. Well, is it is it sort of like what is it? it it's is just, it just a, a way chat, of like, so it's like it's a radio a show. You're making yeah. your own yeah.
1: radio show. Essentially, do let's be really honest about it. It's it's a way of supplementing your career. <laughs> is it? Way, no. It's like I'm a I'm a writer but I'll also have a
2: podcast. And I'm a podcaster. And podca- am a yeah. I'm a podcaster.
0: <laughs> I would probably say you're a podcast guest and if you have your own podcast-y. podcast you're a podcaster I'm a podcast. I'm a yeah. I'm a female
1: podcaster mm. exactly I mean some people are amazing and do it as their full time thing yeah. Like, yeah Yeah. but I think most people have it as a sideline side to another is. job you
2: can't get on the radio
1: Hey. hey. Is that what it's all <laughs> about? Hey radio DJs
2: here? Yeah. <laughs> we could just go on Loose Women, but we don't want to. No. So we're going to do a podcast. <laughs> we're going to do a podcast. Okay, exactly. that, I get it. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you, girls. I'm with you.
0: I, but, so obviously, I mean, we will obviously talk about your work, but I feel like <laughs> just from the few little things that I've picked up on now, so you don't have a computer, you don't listen to podcasts, yeah. are you very, um, I feel like you'd be very mentally healthy. Like, do you live a very un-technology life, essentially? Yeah? Mm. I don't have, I'm not on social media. Which I think is very
2: important. Yeah. Mm. Um, And I encourage all my friends to come off it. And when they do, I take it as a personal victory. I do have (laughs) a small phone that I can do emails on. So that's not that new, but it's Um, new-ish. So I can send emails because my agent gets very cross when he has to send paper. So everyone has to send me letters. I love getting letters. I love getting cards. I like getting scripts. I'm um, a bit old fashioned so I'm I'm slightly standing with a flag on the you know the diminishing arctic of uh, of the old days I love that And going oh, well I this is how I want to be because I think it's healthier I don't I want that. I want that too. In. Okay, I'm going to make you come off your social media. How do you then? enforce I, it. I feel like
0: our agents will just be like, we're no, we're not sending you a script. We don't have that power. <laughs> also, Roxy, let's be honest.
2: Yeah.
1: How
0: often do we get right, I just need the sides for anyway. the part I don't get. You're right. <laughs> I don't need the actual
2: script. But they can send you the sides. You yeah, know, exactly. That's annoying yeah. when they send you the sides and I'm trying to read it on my and tiny phone and I'm like, yeah. oh, can they send it? So often I turn up at auditions and I have got no idea what I'm going in for and that, that can either make people very cross or quite refreshed. Well, I was going to (laughs) say, you've been
0: very successful with that approach, so perhaps we should all adopt it. Yes,
2: that could be a way of yes. I remember going to a spa once uh, and uh, seeing this very, very expensive black truffle cream quite high up, spotlit high up. (sighs) And of course, then there was all the other creams that were like, you know, daily scrub and sort of breakfast smoothie and I was like, I don't don't want that. I want the black truffle cream that was £85. (gasps) Now, what is it that makes us want the spotlight. Is it just the packaging? Is it so? From then on, I put my fees up. I kind of doubled my fees. So you'd have the cream. Yeah. So I'm the black truffle cream. So I could have the cream, and so I could get paid more. And how's the cream been? Well, cream. I still haven't quite managed to afford to buy it. <laughs> oh. No. I steal it from, uh, from when I can climb up on a stepladder and get it. But <laughs> um, the point being, as women, we often don't ask for enough mm. and um, and be ready to walk away. That's quite hard. Uh, maybe I have reached a point where I can say. Do you know what? I'm not going to do that. People are like, what? You go, well, you might have to double that. Well, I have lost jobs, but also my life with my family is important. My time, I work to buy time away from... So in a way, that can be... Women are very afraid of asking for more because they think it's greedy and
0: unacceptable. So I would say go for the black truffle cream. I fully, fully advocate that. How many times have you lost the job more than the times that they've said, yeah, fine, we'll just double your pay and you can have it? I you had a particularly
2: you. horrific audition and I came out of the American church setting off all the fire alarms with my both my middle fingers in the air. Wow. Um, it was so horrible. I was. I felt so... The, the poor girl who was filming me was bright red. The director, who will remain nameless, um, just kept making me sort of do it again and again. A, I hate being filmed and I hate reading anywhere. Just like... I'll meet you for a cup of tea and let's talk about it. And yeah. obviously, if it's a really difficult, interesting part, then yes, let's read and work together. But it's the power thing that I hate. So I then said to my agent, I'm not going to audition for comedy anymore. Um, and the next day, Plebs came in. And so I went to, and he said, are you sure? And I went, yeah, I'm not, I'll meet him. Mm. So I met Sam and the casting director. And then Sam said, um, so can we read? And, and the casting director went, oh, no, she's, she doesn't so grand. Yeah. She doesn't read. <laughs> and, he, and he just looked like, like it was a joke. And he went, yeah, but you're here now, so should we read? And I went, no, I don't want to read. And I thought, well, I've, I've, I left and I thought, well, I haven't got that. Yeah. And I got it, but I don't think it set off our relationship particularly well because I think there was a power imbalance to start with ah. because I'd gone, I'm not going to read, but I've got the
0: part. I so it's actually power imbalance the other way in your favour. Yeah, yeah, slightly. Yeah, yeah. That know,
2: so that set off a slightly sort of rather tricky relationship. Because people want to come together equally and go, look, creatively, we want to create the best thing together. I don't like the power game here. The best director I've ever worked for, Ben Wheatley, we just had a cup of tea for literally 15 minutes. So I had to go and get a train. And we talked about everything, but not really the film. And then um, I went, oh, God, I've got to go watch Shilla. And we talked about everything, politics, you know, children, golf courses, crazy things. And... I. I said, what, what, what should we do? And he went, well, you just say yes. And I went, yes. And it was just oh, wow. so wonderful. And now that doesn't happen very much.
1: Well, the thing is, you've proved your mettle, haven't you? Like, time and time over with such different diverse characters. It's like, yeah, I pretty much I've got them in my roster of skills. I you know, know, but you can... people
2: still want you to read. I still think, like, I think um, actresses of 80 still have to read who yeah. are well known. Yeah. Um, Why is that? I don't know. I think I don't know. It's a strange thing. I I I would read with somebody for drama. I've done less straight drama Mm. and film. It feels more like yes, let's see if this is the sort of character you want. Let's see if we can. Basically, they want to see if they can direct you. If you can take direction, you're not too spiky. You're amenable, and you're Mm. and you're good. You're you're. No, I, I don't want. I want her to be more vulnerable. I want her to be bigger. I want her to be smaller. So that's fine. Let's see if we can work. But yeah, if it's just if it's a comedy show, you can look up. There's about a thousand sketches yeah. of me. Um, maybe you could just see that. Yeah. yeah. What about theatre? Would you do it for? Would you audition and read for theatre? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much every theatre I yeah. have. I've been offered theatre straight off, and that's great. But say with the mammoth play, mm. uh, Someone was reading in for John Malkovich. Obviously, he Obviously. wasn't there. And David Mamet was just very kind of argh, big character. And I had a temperature of like hundred and two, and I was I was almost crying in the cafe opposite. And I phoned my agent. And she just sent me a sort of strong arm, oh, yeah. strong arm emoji. Like, don't tell them you're sick. You know, just get in there and do it. And yeah. um, and he said that my CV. He said it says here on your CV that you're a ventriloquist. <laughs> I was like, obviously my have... agent is just sending out random jobs that I've never done and skills that I don't have. Hence the sound. Hence the... We, yeah. I,
0: well, we weren't recording. Can you do your drip for the listeners?
2: Oh, I mean, how good is that, how guys? That wasn't that? a
0: sound effect. I'll teach you cheek, how to do that yeah. later.
2: You see, if you come off um, social media, you, you too will be able to make a drip noise because you'll spend hours So you would be just texting perfecting the drip. Yeah. I'm worried i will become you're too get two weird. two more victories.
1: Like, you know, um, the things you start noticing when you come off social media, like, oh, there's a plug socket there I never saw before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so <good. laughs> I think you should become that person. I don't I know. That. I think I've
1: become, like, really introspective and navel-gazing and just, like, I don't no, know. No, I
2: think probably the opposite because you I think, I think, I think Be as,
0: you, as you
2: type your virtual self and send it out into the world, it's a very weird <laughs> self that you're sending yeah. out. Yeah. So, actually, the authentic self is somebody yeah. who's maybe um, having a walk by herself... Um, you know looking at a little bird in the tree and oh, I don't know or a plug socket yeah
0: um, did you guys listen to that thing this morning on the radio about um, how narcissists are actually happier even if you Mm. do become navel gazing I mean at least you'll be happier everybody
1: else (laughs) fuck you everyone else I'm happy happy. (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, that's funny but I love that you don't feel the pressure like because I had a conversation I was at a wedding last night of all things on a Monday um, clearly an actor's wedding (laughs) 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 and uh, and I was speaking to this girl and she was like yeah I'm um, um, started you know developing my Instagram account because I want to be taken seriously as an actor and part of me like my heart sank a bit because I was like that is that really a prerequisite to show your worth like how many people follow you a you can buy followers and B, I don't think how engaging your posts are, are very indicative of how talented you are
2: I think maybe it's a new it's a bit newer thing that that Insta followers are, are something that sometimes people ask um, before in an audition don't they yeah I Hans.
0: think so at least they go has do that the background, been check asked you? to you,
2: like, how many followers? I mean, we, I don't have that many no, I would be hindering myself of
0: <laughs> anything. I reckon I would do better to be off it, in fact, because I think you either need enough for them to be like, oh, it should be worth casting, mm, yes. or it's better if it's like, oh, she doesn't have social media. Also, like, So there we go. Once again, I probably we should get off it. Yeah.
1: It's funny as well when you realise you go to develop these things and put, like, a funny thing out there. And then for me, I personally spend, like, an hour going, oh, God, I misrepresented myself. And then yes. actually,
2: like, I don't really want to share that what much about myself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a waste of creative time it literally you might as well just I mean I, I just find it so depressing because we women as you know are silent anyway and have been through the generations mm. it's now up to us to actually be the mouthpiece so we need to think about what form we do that in it isn't taking pictures of ourselves and it isn't sending out our perfect lives it's sort of being able to be vulnerable together and being empowering to to young women who are suffering from anxiety the anxiety spike. Um, through through how people look, women taking knives to their faces—it's I mean, yeah. absolutely appalling. Yeah. What's happened through social media? Now, obviously, it's very good politically for certain things, but I also think it does—you know—if some—if you, know, some, you want to go on a march, you're going to hear about it. Yeah. You know, I'm not—I do hear about the marches I want to go on. Mm. I don't just press the—you know sign this petition button I'd much rather get my spray paint to go down and graffiti something yeah because that's what we did in the 80s yes. it was a bit like let's go back to something a bit more grassroots and a bit more um, angry yeah and, and, and you know my daughter and I um, want to go down with our spray cans to the what I feel is a horrible is all the dental aesthetic facial aesthetic places yeah. that are suddenly grown Dude, up like, like spores yeah. throughout the city everywhere and in all the new builds instead of having a laundrette and a fishmonger they've got Botox then dental then smile clinic then yeah. body clinic and it's all pictures of cellulite next to pictures of pictures of lips so this is bad. This yeah. is really bad. So mm. we, we want to go and do ticks and crosses and. So what what never. have you ever been um, sort of reprimanded for that by the police or? I've been caught on camera a couple of times, right. but um, they've not taken it further. Great. Was this okay. when
1: you first? Because I read that you um, joined a group called Violence Against Women. Women Against Violence. Women Against, against Violence. Women. Wavell. Violence Terrible name.
0: Women. Wa- <laughs> Wavel. Definitely
1: the wrong way round. And yeah. um, Wavell, and that was when you came out of Manchester Uni, yeah. and you went. Was it Westminster Bridge that you went and graffiti? Yes. yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we used to do the big posters at. Vauxhall, you know, there were like car posters with with a naked woman on right, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and draw a man sort of fucking the exhaust pipe, and you know, that's why. <laughs> oh God, amazing. Um, because, and also, we would always complain to the Advertising Standards Authority about adverts that we found upsetting, mm. or, or, you know, it really is bad for young boys to be looking at at certain adverts yeah. and to be on the tube by yourself with a huge, and we. We made amazing strides in that all the sort of sexist advertising on the tubes were sort of taken off, and then it's all crept back in. So if you're on a tube station, that you know assaults on on British Rail and on public transport has gone yeah, up. Yeah, have gone up. You yeah, know, hugely because you're on your own, and the advertising is there, and it's often. Women
0: with virtually nothing on. What, what decade did it get good? at better in at least before it went worse. It got again? in.
2: It, it got really good. So I joined in '85, and then I would say from '85 to '90, we well, were constantly sending letters to the ASA, and they always thought I was a man with my name Dune. Oh right, yeah. dear Mr. McKinley, no. we're sorry that you feel upset. We've, we've, you know, we feel that this is actually appropriate, and we anyway. Um, it was much more the Age of Letters, Guardians, Woman's Page, you know, that yeah, kind of yeah. uh, call up Radio 4. And then it, and then I would say it slowly sort of crept back in with the Ladette, you know, the sort of Lad Mag, uh, loaded that the beginning of that. It was like men reclaiming their right to have pictures of women.
0: Right, yeah. so what's like the 90s,
2: wasn't it? Yeah, more yeah. like the 90s. And then, you know, then we managed to get rid of Page 3. So the No More Page 3 campaign took a good, like, three to five years, um... And now you have got page three, but you've got, you know, you've got that women, yeah, yeah. but not always yeah. because it, they, they sneak them back in.
0: Yeah. I mean, this actually segues really nicely mm. onto the stuff that we wanted to talk about.
1: Obviously, firstly, just to say, to reiterate that this podcast is, Um, in partnership with Comedy Fifty Fifty, which addresses the gender imbalance in comedy Um, so that's very much the sort of behind the scenes stuff in terms of really kind of the writing and the development of things trying to find parity across the board Mm. but you obviously um, well you had Body Count Rising which was a BBC radio programme which guys you can still listen to on BBC Sounds even though it came out a couple of years ago That's brilliant, that's
2: when I like technology Oh so good, (laughs) it's a great programme where you talk
1: about essentially violence against women um, on on screen and this um, and sort of examining the trend in our TV culture of rape and ri- ritualistic murder of women mm. um, and the audiences really seem to kind of lap it up mm. I mean do you think that's changed since because I think it's 2016 that you did that do you think that the culture shifted at all since then
2: someone sent me a rather depressing thing about Netflix and looked at, uh, looked at a sort of percentage of what shows had violence against women in them mm. and it was quite high still um, no, I think it, I don't think it's changed very much. Really, no. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't watch a lot of television. Obviously, um, I've only seen one box set, which I did enjoy. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was fun but I should have read a book but um, there's still a lot of um, there's still a lot of violence against women on screen and there's mm. still rapist entertainment is still very very prevalent
0: mm. What well, so obviously I actually haven't listened to the Radio 4 programme yet but mm. I'm absolutely going to listen to it now because mm. when I was reading about this yesterday about the, this programme that you've done it resonated so strongly with me because there were shows that I really enjoyed watching because I thought they were really exciting plots but I stopped watching them because I could not stand the violence to women, and yeah. they got really angry, and I was yeah. like, "This is good television, but I can't watch it because yes. I cannot w- watch this." So it was things like, like Luther and stuff that yes. I had to start watching. Um, and uh, and God, yes. what was the other? One? Oh, yes, yeah, so a Game of Thrones. And a friend of mine, a female friend, said, "Oh no, stick with it because like the nudity gets a bit less, and there are some strong women in it." And I was like, "I'm not going to make myself stick with something b- b- using, like you know to because you can't unsee it." You no, see that? Exactly. That's the thing. Uh, Those things
2: are real little yeah. little mind worms that that debilitate us as women from actually creating stuff that is. Because it just makes you feel, A, a victim, yeah. and B, disempowered and profoundly kind of, oh, you know, at the yeah. end of something like that. I don't want to see a woman pulled down the stairs by her hair. Yes. Yeah. To me, that's as bad. You know, there's a brilliant actress I worked with on a Ben Wheatley film, and and I was like, oh, great, she's in this... You know, I turned on the thing, and the next thing she was being beaten to a pulp in the back of oh a van. God, yeah. And I just And I, I was like, oh, my God. This brilliant young actress... Yeah is this is what's happened. And the reason I wrote Body Count Rising is I was on plebs Mm. and I was talking to the two young girls who were in it and both of them had done rape scenes and they were 25. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God. And we ended up all crying, talking about their experiences yeah. on set, which I put into Body Count Rising. Yes. Yeah. So
0: one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, and you probably do address it in the programme, is so when I was complaining about Luther in these shows and stuff, a mm. friend of mine, a male friend, said, the thing is, I think it's difficult because these are crime television dramas, essentially. So what they're doing is they want it to be realistic and they're showing what actually happens in real life. So that's why it is the way that it is. And then my argument was, well, that's just a vicious circle. It's self perpetuating. Yeah. So we're watching it on screen and then we're ending up with more of it in real life.
2: Yeah.
0: Is that something that you discuss and do you think there's a solution yeah, to Yeah, I sort of
2: do discuss that. There are certain yeah. people like Michael Winterbottom who say it's morally right to show challenging films. So it's morally our job to show graphic violence. Well, no, it isn't. Mm. It's our job to take a break from mm. graphic violence. We don't need to see it. Let's be like the Greeks. Let's have it off stage. Let's have Medea killing her children not in front of everybody yeah. but off stage and coming back with her hands all bloody um, we don't need to see graphic violence we, we, so we, there's been an orgy of it yeah. from fetishising um, dead bodies to women as victims to women in you know chase through woods but but it's the violence the violent rapes and the violent well even just the the casual violence like as mm-hmm. you say being pulled down the stairs by your hair yeah. um, just anything that brutalises anyone male mm. or female is is not cool in this culture Of extreme violence. Look at the boys who are getting killed on our street. That is, that it's all tied in.
0: Yeah. Macho,
2: Mm -hmm. you know, chauvinistic, misogynistic rap lyrics feeding into a culture that's killing young black boys on the street. That is really, really bad. Mm. So, and that ties in with, I wouldn't watch Game of Thrones. I've got several very feminist friends who love it. I wouldn't tell them, you know, I wouldn't say, oh, I can't talk to you because you, but don't talk to me about Game of Thrones or, um, And then I remember talking to some young boys about that and saying if it was a lot of men getting raped, or they go, oh, there is a man who gets raped in it. Well, what if it was mostly men getting raped? It would not be on television. Mm. The men would not, they would be profoundly uncomfortable. Men don't want to see nudity. When do you ever see cocks? Never. And you see completely naked women and men in suits. You see rattled old detectives shagging, beautiful young 24-year-old sidekick casting girls. Still...
1: Mm. on TV, yeah.
2: still commissioned. Why do we want to watch that? Yeah, absolutely. Do, do no. you think
1: there's a case to say that if there was more equality across the board in terms mm. of the writers' rooms yeah. and having more, I'm not saying that men are more predisposed to write violent scenes against women in nope. terms of the writing process, but if there was more equality in the room that these things may even out a little more and may reduce? In terms I would of really
2: violence. hope so because it is women who are also commissioning violent programmes mm. and who are saying it's our right to you know be truthful about these things and they really have to take a serious look at what they're doing because it's profoundly affecting the culture that we're in to have programs that are very very successful that are mostly about violence yeah I don't think men particularly want to write violent scenes against women I think it's um, it's just become what what they do to make money and women write it as well there are women novelists who hate my my um, crime writers who hate what i'm saying mm. they think that i'm i'm a complete sort of prudish you know because i was like well why don't we just call a halt and, and have a why don't we just say let's have a year of no violence mm, yeah, against women in our in our especially watching it i mean books i just feel on tv and film it's so easy for children to see it who yeah. I, and you know i remember once uh, my daughter, it was nine o'clock. It was just past the watershed. Mm. And she was in the sort of TV room and it was a dinner party and I was in the other room. Um, and suddenly I walk in and there was like an anal rape going on. Oh, what? And I, I, I felt, I can't describe how, and she was 11. And I just, I remember thinking, I can't, she can't unsee that now. No, no. And, and my little girl who I've brought up and fed, you know, mashed avocado to is now suddenly... <laughs> yeah suddenly seen this horrible thing, and it's so prevalent, yeah. it's sort of everywhere. And the same with porn, obviously, that's very accessible. Yeah, yeah. totally. So, so yes, I think, to, in answer to your question, yes, I think it would be fantastic to have a much more gender-equal um, writer's room for comedy as as well, because it all feeds into yes, the culture. Yeah,
1: definitely, comedy as well. definitely. And, and I suppose and the responsibility also lies, of course, with the producers and and
0: the broadcasters I, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was going to ask, what about the viewers? Do you think there's enough power a viewer has just to turn off the programmes? Do you think, if enough people do that, oh, yeah, it would sort of make a difference? So. Well, it what's upsetting, as
2: you say, is that people seem to like. They seem to really enjoy. You mm. know, like I remember sitting in a in a in a sauna in Glasgow, and these two quite quite straight older women were going, "Oh, I'm really looking forward to the fall tonight." So you, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, really. I mean, uh, you listen to the pod, listen to the program if you want to hear what I think about the fall. I think that's very, very dangerous. That yeah. kind of TV, um, sort of sadomasochistic, uh, mixed up with men, you know, women liking men being violent. Yeah, And, yes. I, and I think these women were just watching it because uh, he was quite handsome, wasn't he? And uh, not seeing the repercussions no, at, yeah, for yeah. particularly younger girls. They're not going to be, you know affected perhaps mentally by that but I think it causes anguish and torment yeah, and depression oh, 100%. and yeah. it can
1: also reinforce an unconscious bias like I know personally if I'm walking down the street late at night yeah. and I see a man my mind immediately goes to he's going to attack me and yeah. of course as part of your animal brain it's kind of sensible to think be on your guard mm-hmm. be aware but then there's the other part of my brain that it probably wouldn't be going to such a heightened, paranoid, adrenaline-fueled state no. if I hadn't been watching programs like that, yeah. which reinforce the idea that I'm probably going
2: to get attacked because of the way yeah, I was born. And, <laughs> yeah. and the way that you're dressed and, uh, yeah, that you're a victim. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're a, exactly. You want women to be able to walk at night and get out of their houses and to you know and not and to not be quiet that's yes. what we want yeah, yeah. totally the wild women roving the streets yeah
0: you know, it's interesting I think that's probably why a political drama often appeals because it's exciting but you don't have the violence which is found in so many yes, other yes I love a thriller yeah. my mm. god yeah. what, what
2: I can't watch is really depressing like I'm saying to people what shall I watch on Netflix now I've got it <laughs> you know what shall I Succession but it's not on Netflix Succession
1: oh my god yeah no okay. that's brilliant Again, that's... is that on telly media it's on family sky and it's on now tv you'll have to get another subscription <laughs> to now tv but it's now honestly TV. worth it do the free yeah. trial it's incredible okay. about the murdoch media mogul kind of family With, that's kind yes. of what it's based on yeah
2: exactly well it's lovely yeah. to watch really well done and well acted tv and when people realize that that's actually what people really enjoy the violent stuff i would really hope would just start to get less and less, yes. you know what I mean? Even those things where women get revenge and they go, well, it's great because she then cuts his cock off. You go, yeah, but yes. then you've also seen her rage. It. You know, that's not good. God, that's, that
0: doesn't make it better no, for me. No.
1: Talking about the shift in uh, in culture or hoping to shift culture, I think Smack the Pony, obviously, we've got to talk about it. I mean, it was a cult classic. It's amazing. It did change the culture at the time and because you were allowing women to be clowns without talking about, you know, really stereotypically female-oriented things like periods and chocolate and, you know, um, although there is an amazing, obviously, the uh, reoccurring theme of hair that comes throughout yeah, it. yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. But, I mean, also, can I just say that you swinging around a lamppost um, is
2: ingrained into my into my mind. I <laughs> I was just thinking about that yesterday. Really? Yeah, having to stand on a street and lap dance a a, a, a sort of lamppost with my shopping.
1: Oh my god, That's it's pretty so empowering. <laughs> yeah. I did, bet. did you take lessons to do that? No, you, like, no, no. Properly had because I did pole dancing lessons for like one week, and I was like, this hurts too much. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Really you had the moves. This.
2: I think that's just from, you know, being a kid and doing that thing around the bars. I used to love gymnastics. I think it was just learning how to swing around a pole. Did you have as much fun doing that
1: show as it looked? And do you feel like it sort of has changed the way that women are perceived um, in comedy on well, our if
2: only If only there were more programmes like yeah. it now. Mm. That saddens me there aren't quite as many. There's certainly not clowny. There's, there's not many physical... Humored no, shows. that's true. I mean, obviously Motherland is brilliant, but it's, it's, it's to do with character and psychology. Yes. Yes. It's wonderful and brilliant. I love it. Um, but I want to see more women being, you know, yeah, being more physical. Yeah. So it's a shame it hasn't sparked off in a way that Bridesmaids also didn't spark off a, a sort of whole raft of, yeah. of women films about, I mean, that's hilarious yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So you've got these two things that sort of were iconic, but they didn't go anywhere. And so that's really sad because I think our culture really needs it. I think women... Des- the amount of times I get asked about Smack the Pony and is it coming back and will you do it again yeah, and yeah. Is, is kind of annoying because it's not coming back. Um, we've, we've sort of uh, met a few times and discussed, should we do a narrative, should we do sketches, should we do a complete remake? Mm. And um, it's never quite happened.
1: Why? I mean, like... Is it that people just specifically want you guys and you're like, it's like a holy kind of protected kind of, it's just for these three? Or is, do you know what I mean? Like why, like people like Lazy Susan and other sort of sketch comedy groups, Mm. why isn't there the space for...
2: Yeah. Why aren't they on or... TV? Yes, exactly. Because i I'm not. I haven't been to see stand up for ages. Mm, yeah. And I know there's a lot of good women doing shows at like Soho Theatre yeah. and a lot of great shows at Edinburgh. So obviously you get the breakout shows like Fleabag. Mm. who yeah. then get on TV. But maybe that's now more the way in. I think Edinburgh well, Susan
0: managed to get. I think it was
2: a half short, hour or was yeah. it a
0: short, maybe twenty minutes on BBC. After I mean they've been going for like a long time now, and they're brilliant. And they right. did finally get their first. TV thing, I think, as a as a uh, sketch double act, as right. it were. Um, but yeah, but it's not a regular series by any means. I
2: think sketch comedy has
0: sort of died. I though. think maybe that's it. it's partly the trend in sketch yeah, comedy. Yeah. But w- with *Smart the Pony*, because it was so well um, acclaimed in terms of the awards in the states, uh, more than the UK, because yeah. it's got Emmys but not BAFTAs. Yeah. Right? Was there ever an appetite when the states said, "Right, we'll take you and we'll go and do it"? Then you know, and do more we didn't of it. sort of
2: we didn't sort of plow into the states. Oh thing, right. Because okay. we were just so busy because it takes a long time to. <laughs> Yes. write it, yeah mm. so we were literally locked in a basement for for sort of till so we couldn't bear it anymore because we we would film our improvisations and then we'd often have writers in the room, so it was a very long process about talking what it about st- stupid shit that had happened to us <laughs> like not not kind of big women's issues, but like You know, I sucked a glass onto my face and couldn't get it off, and my friend was talking about getting cancer, and it was like, you know, that kind (laughs) of thing. Sort of just clowning stuff. (laughs) Um, She did that the other day about
1: hot drinks. She was like, I drink my tea too fast, I'm going to get cancer. (laughs) I was like, I don't think so. Don't think so.
0: So, heat up the mercury in my mouth, but um, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So, the process then, you'd gone in a room, you'd say like observations that had happened to you, you'd then improvise it, is that right? We would often get. some material that had been from you know
2: Smith and it had been rejected from other male comedy shows so we would get the sort of off cut orphan material of like two men bomb disposal experts and they would just sort of cross it out and go two women and and of course it was so often written by men for men so that was interesting. We off, we sometimes reworked something we thought had a nub of a good idea, but yeah. we, made the, we made the straight person the funny person. We made the funny person. Yeah. So we just, because we'd always been feeds for men's, we'd always, we'd all been in comedy before and been teacher, dolly bird, receptionist, you know, not been the, the lead. We'd been the feeds. Yeah. So it was really good for us to be able to make the straight one the feed. Um, but what we would do is we would sit and chat about stuff that made us laugh and then we would just get up and try and, do something about that right. sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't
1: how do you find writing with other people because I, I think not everyone can do it, it takes a real well, we skill. would
2: improv we would um sally was very good at writing stuff down on mm-hmm. a computer and then what well, we often had sometimes one or two writers in the room um and the producer was very good at um kind of going mm, let's do it but let's let's change the angle a bit. let's take the comedy out of it so we didn't do issue-based stuff ever right we never did sort of diets periods chocolate uh men we just did stuff that was happening to us at that time. I had two small children; and they didn't have children, yeah. So we were having different experiences. It was probably good, yeah. And it took a long time. Like sometimes we would work on one sketch that we knew had something in it, just didn't quite take off. And then we'd have to sort of go, oh, I don't know why that's not working. Film it, and then go no, and then go and then go, oh, I've got a brilliant idea for that now. And Sally would come in yeah. and go. I know what we do. We just completely turn it back to front. So it's about sitting with things sometimes. Mm. It's not a fast process. There's a lot of sort of, a lot of long uh, days of maybe one sketch coming out of it. Sometimes just, and then, you know, when we did video dates, that was great because on our first series we had, we had like 15 that we liked on paper. And we didn't rehearse, we hadn't rehearsed them and we hadn't, we just had like wigs and we have, like, we've got two hours left, let's do some video dates, quickly go and put a wig on and choose one. Oh, wow. And go like, um, I'm, I'm Sally, I'm 30, I'm, I'm into, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fun to be with, I'm fun to be, you know, and then we just start coming, <laughs> and that was great because we did this sort of production line and the quickness of it yeah. made it good, I right, think. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There wasn't sense. too much time to think and rehearse it. So it's a bit more improved.
1: So out of, this is a potentially hard question, but out of all the characters that you've played, and I don't mean in Smack the Pony, I mean across your entire career, a whole myriad of oh different my God, characters. Do you well. have one that you, okay, firstly, do you have one that you enjoyed playing the most? And then the second part to that question, is there one that sort of resonated with you the most that maybe taught you something about yourself?
2: That's such a hard question. And if I could add up the number of characters I've played, it would run into hundreds.
1: Okay, what's one you've enjoyed the most? Oh my god! Is there one that just springs into your mind that you think? Because it's so difficult, because it's sort of joined up with like the process and the directing and everything else, isn't it? It's very hard I to detach think, I them. To but think
2: of theatres, probably. Do you know, I actually can't answer that question. I'm finding it. I mean, I loved, I, I love playing Jane Pluff in Toast because it, I, I, it's like payback to all the all the women who turned me down throughout my career. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I just put the phone down on me because I used to work for a co-op and have to oh, call yeah, up yeah, yeah. like 30 casting agents on a Monday <laughs> afternoon. It was so hideous. Oh really? Um, you know, sort of power. Yes. power. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, I like that. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed theatre that I've done. Um, I did a play in Chichester with Tom Hollander about mental health that you know not many people saw but I think it was one of I think I did a really good job in it what was it called that one me and my friend
0: okay I didn't before before
2: and you know there's been some theater that I think has has been and I enjoyed doing I did a one woman show about my son's cancer yes called prima duna Mm -hmm. and I played a lot of characters in that and one particular woman who was so angry and broken about her her daughter's cancer that had come back and was making her daughter this sort of you know perfect food but she was sort of furious and broken it was it was tragic but very funny as well you know i sort of enjoy that really sort of fine line between yeah. dark oh my god her daughter's Maybe gonna die, but she sort of hates her daughter because she has to cook her food and, and the fucking cancer's come back. But I'm making her steamed broccoli anyway. Um, was, was those sort of ca- that? That I love it yeah. when it's right on the edge of, of dark. Um, do you yeah. think
0: this is a separate question? But on that note, do you think there are some things that are off limits for comedy, or at least actually perhaps I should phrase it like this off limits if you haven't personally experienced it?
2: Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Like, can you talk
0: about. Could you have done that show if your child hadn't had cancer? Yeah. For instance? Could someone
2: else play that part? Yeah, that's I or don't know that about that. It's, that. it's that whole thing about should you, you know, should Daniel Day Lewis have done my my left foot? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, should good actors take on disabled jobs? Um, should Should men play women? Yeah. You know. Mm. Sorry, you haven't had the the wealth of my you know pain and sadness. And, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, but you're yeah. going to play a woman. Um, I don't know. It's no. very difficult. I think it's to do with art. I think it's to do with how how much integrity goes into a project. Yeah, how you cast it and whether you think you have got the credentials to be able to take it
0: on. Yeah, and so prima donna was it was under comedy was it in the in the ratio? I mean that was the yes. I yeah. mean it
2: was it was funny but yeah. it was sad. And so people did laugh and cry which to me is my uh, my favourite thing. Mm. Favourite combo, yeah. (laughs) And especially when my son actually came to see the show and got up in the curtain call then everyone was just sobbing. How old was he at the time? He was nine when he got cancer and he was Mm. 11 when he sort of was out of hospital and then it took a good few years to... He came when he was about 14.
0: Gosh. Wow. Yeah, 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 that was excellent. And did you
1: need that, clearly needed that amount of time to be able to have a bit of space from it, process it, be able to turn it into something that you could share with people? I mean, I
2: don't know, when you write stuff you've got to really want to write it. I didn't want to write, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm gonna write this at all. Really? I kept a sort of diary. Uh, because I just thought, I need to know, I need to remember, I need to just mark this yeah. every day, even if it was two lines, I would just write. But what I did get is the hospital notes, which they don't normally give you, oh, right. because people often sue when their kids die, so they, hospitals don't release the notes. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really sad, because people are so angry, if they lose a child, they want to sue you know, them for not doing more, and yeah. often they can't do more, and that's yeah. it, it's over. Um, whereas with Louis, they, they'd been so amazing that when I did ask, I, they were like, what's it for? And I said, I think I might put it into a show. And they were like, well, we're worried about that. And I was like, no, I literally want to say how amazing mm. you've been. Mm. You know, the NHS is. Christ almighty, you know, the nurses. So they, so I was able to, and I sat and read through those notes one night. And it must have been how many years after? That's right, I'd got back, I was doing a theatre show, I was hating it, um, I was doing Loot at the Tricycle and it was probably too soon to be performing, you know, mm. I was just a bit broken. And I turned on the TV and Russell Brand was on doing stand-up and I just, I just looked at Russell Brand and I thought, what gives you the right to be so confident? And I just felt angry that I wasn't seeing more women being that confident and talking about their experiences and I thought what if I talk about this really dark experience but I can try and make it funny as well so I sat with the notes cried my eyes out and wrote maybe a paragraph of one of like when I first walked into the the ward of the cancer ward and it was awful but it was sort of funny it's a bit like an actress going well call my agent get me out of here This is this is the wrong casting I'm not I shouldn't be here. Because you keep thinking, well, this is wrong. This, someone's going to come in and say, sorry, it's not, you know, yeah. it's a denial thing. So then I just carried on. And then a friend was very good. She read it and she went, no, you, you." And I developed it, but it didn't happen straight away. I did it with an amazing director. And he went, when we took it into a room, he went, this is too personal. I can't cut any of this. We, we can't, I can't work on this. It's just too personal. So he said, you need to get. Someone else into either rework it, look at it. So I got a dramaturg in called Bryony Lavery, an amazing. Oh, wow! Yeah, right, and yeah. she um, sort of did a pass. And when I read it, I felt chilled because it wasn't me. And I thought, well, this is a confessional show, and someone else's this is not gonna. Yeah. So it took a while to find its voice, uh, because it wasn't too personal. So she helped me, and then together we shaped it with both of our. We literally turned, turned the whole thing upside down. She taught me a lot about writing, yeah. Um. And, yes, yeah, so, so it was probably about... How many characters? Yes, it was probably about, I don't know, 12 characters. You know, nurses, doctors, yeah. ladies next door, girlfriends, maybe more.
0: And it was always um, obvious to you, was it where the humour would come from? Or were you sometimes like, I don't know how to make this funny? Or no, I mean, that in real life... it was the moments, objective so. to make it funny, actually, at all?
2: Um, the objective was to show what he'd been through, because I I... So many people think their lives are shit. They really, you know, and I always had the red card after the cancer of like, well, you think your loft conversion is gonna make, giving you a nervous <laughs> yeah. breakdown. Let me tell you about my, so I always had this sort of slightly superior kind of, yeah, I've been in a cancer ward. You know, it was this weird thing of the sliding scale of people's suffering and i suppose i wanted people to understand what a chi- how a child so bravely yeah. goes through that experience because they're in the moment they're not thinking they're not crying because they're thinking about the next chemo that's coming or how sick they've been that day or there's no self pity there's no victimhood they just get on with it yeah. and they and it's Utterly awe inspiring. So it just is, it just sort of breaks open your world of, of, of adult neurosis. Yeah. Yeah. So I sort of wanted to do it to go to everyone, look how lucky you are yeah, 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 that your absolutely. life is actually bloody amazing. Um, and then within that, there was obviously, I brought in a little bit about how, because I was with my husband at the time, but we ended up breaking up at the end of it. I think it either makes or breaks you. So, so. Through that threaded through that was also the breakdown, so counselling. So that was quite funny, sitting in counselling, going to my first voiceover, and people sort of going, "Is he going?" You know, people saying very inappropriate things that are sort of terrible but funny because they don't know what to say, and I'm trying to do a voiceover. You know, without being sick, because yeah. I'm suddenly out in the world, and in the world feels very weird. Mm. So it was about recovery and redemption and bravery. And sounds
0: extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. but I
2: don't think I could do it again.
0: Right? No, <laughs> no. no. I imagine that is I think that it would just be, it
2: of its time. Yeah, but it sort of shows you that when you want to write something, I suppose um, ask yourself if you know, literally, if I had, if I if i was going to die like in a in a year what would i write what would what would be the thing i'd most oh God, want yeah. to write yeah. about if i only had a short amount of time
0: yeah and that's um, this again leads very nicely on to the when you did Jumpy at the Royal Court. So, funnily enough, I, I did. I saw that production. I did too. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Did you? Yeah. 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 Um, but so I read a book about playwriting years ago, and in it they interviewed April Dangelis, and yes. she said that she finds herself um, going time and time again, going back to this theme that she seems to endlessly write about which is parent and child mm. and i wondered whether that was what it was that attracted you to doing jumpy whether it was that that, that sort of relationship at the heart of it between tamsin and the and, I and can't Bell. Remember the name. yeah okay yeah, yeah. Bell, um or oh, and and actually then yeah how you go about picking your roles now that you're doing if you're not writing them yourself mm. that's
2: brilliant that april is a uh, fascinating of that because we both have uh we both had troubled teenage daughter. right, times. right. you can you oh. see that. Oh. You. Yeah, at the time, I was going through a particularly tricky time with my 15 year old, who's now 24. And uh, that was so, I mean, Tamsin used to come and ask me. About what had gone on with oh. my daughter, because she was sort of like feeding off my, my, yeah. Even though I was playing a completely different character, I was playing the actress' friend, wasn't I? Who was going up for? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. because you,
0: you weren't. I was having the sort of parent-child. No, I was the, the fun parent, sort of. But I actually role. was having that. Oh, that's really. While funny. it
2: was happening, and um, and Tamsin would go, God, what's you know, like Indy was out all night. Couldn't I was trying to you know she went to a rave in Vauxhall. Like she didn't come home. She was. Whatever it was, it was it was a difficult time. It was right. exactly kind of what was happening in, in well, Jumpy. I just thought Jumpy's so amazing because it's so true. Yes, but cast that so, way around. Yeah. Could you
1: have played Tamsin's role then? Do you think oh at
2: the time God. when it was so oh. close? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, weirdly, um, because of what had happened with Louis and breakup, my dad died. It was like death, leukemia, and divorce. Oh. Or, uh, that I then got very ill at the end of Jumpy at the Royal Court. Pre West oh, End. Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. I, I ended up very ill, which I think is a real flag up to anyone dealing with uh, emotional stuff is that, that you've got to pay attention to a processing pain yeah. because it will catch up with mm. you. So it was sort of probably like my form of a sort of breakdown. I had to stop. I ended up in hospital in a isolation ward with everyone within masks. It was a serious oh kind God. of pneumonia. Oh wow. So you
0: didn't do the West End. Well, then I to...
2: I, w- I pulled out the West End right, and said I think... I, I'm I'm too ill, and they were like they they was just really wanted me to do it. And April would phone me and Nina was phoning me. You sure you're not well enough? I was like, no way, I can hardly fucking walk. And then I kind of rehabilitated myself. You know, I really worked hard on. And I remember thinking, I was walking in Hastings on the on the sort of East, on the East Hill. And I remember thinking, I, I feel strong for the first time. I'm going to, I think I'm going to do it, you know. Yeah. And I called them, they were like, we're in auditions for your part. Oh, God. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I think I could, I mean, they, they were literally about, it was one of those literally light breaking through the cloud moments. They were about to offer it to someone else because oh, they'd fuck. hung on and hung on. Yeah. and And like two weeks before I'd said no. And then I suddenly could feel my strength coming back. Wow. So I said, "Yes, I can do it. I can do it." And they were like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they had to tell this poor girl who came in the second time. He was about to get it. So then oh. I did do it in the West End, and it was much better because I was the one when I was at the Royal Court. I was getting pretty ill. Oh, right, interesting. Wow. Yeah, well, was, you
0: didn't seem ill when I saw you in it, but you know, obviously, you well, that well. dance was um, yeah. Oh, right. Used well, to yeah, practically yeah. give me a
2: sort of you know asthma attack. It's yeah. very <laughs> athletic, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're yeah.
0: <laughs> gosh. So um, yeah, so you you, you t- yeah so now th- nowadays then in terms of what what you take, it's like if the part says something to you that you haven't done before, or
2: well, often it's just to pay the mortgage. Um, yeah, sure that you know, practically, <laughs> Yeah, I love that you say that. No one is honest enough. Uh, yeah, about you have that. to pay. I mean, God, I have to take jobs that are just like, oh, really? Do I have to do this? Is a bit yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. How much? Yeah, yeah <laughs> double yeah, yeah. it and then I'll do yeah, it. Yeah, double it and I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, it's not. I'm not. I'm not leafing through scripts going oh, no. no. Don't it's not no. big enough for me. I'm just taking what it keeps the wolf from the door and keeps the food on the table, but at the same time, you know, hope better roles are coming in, people are writing better things. Um, I just did a great uh, uh, episode of something called Flack,
1: mm, which yeah. is about
2: the PR girls, but it but written by a guy, written by Oliver L- L- Lanley or something like that. God. I read about it and yeah, I can't and, remember. Yeah, and, and I just remember the, turning up on day one and it being literally a room of, like, 13 women. I was like, and I just went, thank you. This oh, is really good. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really good. They
1: made a pilot, didn't they? Yes. And then it didn't go to That's right. series. Yes. And then
2: it's been remade with... Is it, and Anna Paquin. Yes. Yes. Anna yes. Anna and Steve Moyer, who's her husband, is a sort of producer, director, mm. and um, a really great actress called Lydia, and I can't remember her surname, Is about Duchess of Malfi, yeah. at uh, the Almeida. Wow. It's about three PR girls and their lives, and and um, but you know that's written by a man, and it's very good.
0: Yeah, all oh, right. I don't to sound surprised
2: about that, but it's written <laughs> some very good women's parts, for, you know, which is which is very good.
1: Yeah. And are you working on Catherine Ryan's new show as well? Yes. The Duchess. Brilliant. Yes. Are you allowed to talk about that?
2: am I Do you know? I wonder if I am. Um, it's on your CV. Yes. I mean, I, I was filming it yesterday. I was I was dancing in boxer shorts. You always dance, a, don't you? On, on you on of all. Of Do. of I mean it's, it's true actually. When, when you maybe Google I should you, be a dancer.
1: Well, there's so many references to your physicality. Not in like a like all boobies Ooh. kind of way, but like as in in the way you move, like in loads of articles. Yes, that's just true. about your your physical
2: presence and Well, you know. I think I, I should have been a dancer because I wanted to be a ballerina and I was told I was too tall and then I gave up ballet and cried for weeks. And then um, and did then I did a bit of contemporary sort of dance and when I was at Manchester I did do some dance I, I wanted to be a choreographer I oh, didn't right. want to be a stand up um, and then I ended up being a stand up so it was kind of weird so, <laughs> but, but my stand up was very physical as well yeah you found yeah, ways so to get it in yeah, yeah. So I've always been interested in yes bodies and we don't, women don't use their bodies we're very uh, ashamed of our bodies and um, and that's even worse now with with social media that's what I hate about it the shame yeah. Um, how a woman can take a knife to her face when she's under 60 or 70 is beyond me. Mm. It's so sad.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know,
2: it's, it's a tragedy. That's what's happening to so many young girls they're feeling ashamed about their bodies. They hate, they think they're disgusting yeah. and horrible. Mm. They're disgusting. Look at that. You know, circles of shame, blue circles of shame. Mm. wonky toes you know bad knees scabby you know we're all a mess of you know it's amazing we're all just so incredibly different yeah
0: completely i was like a a sort of mixed bill night on saturday and there was actually um uh, a guy from la sort of like i guess he was mid-20s and he read out an essay about how he'd had an eating disorder growing up because he was like try growing up in la when every just as a normal child when everyone's got basically looks perfect wow. and it may I never considered about always think of LA as an actors moving there or being there yeah. but i forget that like just normal families live in LA and that that's the backdrop to your life mm. if you live there and yes you're just, oh, I, I, I went there, I there and no one that. looked like
2: me of no, my age right, i mean yeah. uh, people my age looked 30 it was really weird i was like god is that how and that's creepy how I old think. is that woman yeah. i mean she looks in her soul you can tell she's older yeah. she's been through but her face is like a 30 year old it's completely so that's, that's very funny. odd it's like you don't you can't see aging mm. so you can't see experience you wouldn't go to her that person as a wise person you know or a no it's 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 messed up
0: that is isn't it yeah. that's really odd someone is, who's got so much life experience and not the face to show it like, sorry how did you know so much yeah, <laughs> when you <completely>. look 20 <laughs> you must have read loads <laughs> and our, our
1: communication is probably getting worse as well because if people can't move their faces to. I mean that's one of the first things apparently you look at when you meet someone for the first time is the top half of their face right. and you know sometimes you involuntarily lift your eyebrows up to do that oh hey I know you kind of greeting yeah. and it's a way of building uh, a sense of rapport with someone really quickly if you can't move your forehead because yeah, yeah. you've got Botox in it yeah. or whatever yeah. then I'm sure we are kind of going to gradually over time miss each other on waves of communication
0: yeah yeah yep. yeah it's yeah. true I actually never yeah, thought about yeah. that yeah.
1: so mm. if you have a piece of advice <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't gosh. put a knife to your face yes, um, yes. <laughs> get off social media yeah yeah. <laughs> for, for anyone in this industry and I mean that's kind of loose because obviously there's mm. many different parts to it but yes. what would you what would you impart as a piece of of wisdom,
2: I would think. Um, really think about what you want to say in the world and how you want to say it. So that if you want to be an actor, um, what do you want to say? What do you just want someone to give you a good role, and then, or do you want to take it and do something with it that's very personal to you? So I would, I would say, keep a journal. Mm. Um, you know, write. Um, and as a woman, don't be quiet. I think we've lost our sense of um being wild and having gut reactions so it's probably very good to spend time in nature by yourself and the time when you think oh god look at me billy fucking no mates walking along the beach with my journal yeah. you know <laughs> you, you know that voice that that voice that shames us is too loud yeah so so Have a chat with that voice, you know. Go, you know, sit with that voice and go. Yeah, but I actually really think that I need to keep going with this. And the voice is going, "What? Well, why do you think that? Because you're pretty useless, and there's there's loads of other people who are better than you. So it's that that voice that shames us and makes us stop doing things. That is crippling people's ability to be creative. And I think what also saps creativity is social media. So um, that's a Big, broad, sweeping thing, but
1: there's so many nuggets There's a in lot
2: there. of ways to be creative that will then uh, feed into the thing that you present to the world. That everyone goes, "Wow, that's good." You know, we didn't think we were doing anything with Smack the Pony. We thought it was rubbish. So there we are. We we were just re- we were just recording stuff when we re- when we filmed it. Nobody laughed. It was an all male crew. We we didn't really know each other that well. It was really not that much fun. And uh, and then when it was sort of cut because it was authentic and it come from real experience and us sitting around for hours in a room and it was very well put together by our producer and graded and given, um, you know, made to look good. We suddenly went, oh, so actually that that four days we talked about, um, you know, big shoes really was important yeah you know shoes that are too big and really hurt hurty feet isn't a small thing it's actually an important thing to share so writing stuff down is is quite good because you you realize what your preoccupations are yeah and then when you when you address when you look at those you go oh right there's a theme here maybe I should you know stop trying to do that but do this instead I've said about ten
0: things. No, oh my god, (laughs) I'm just completely gripped. I feel like this is like um, therapy. Yeah, a little bit. But no, I feel so wholesome. Can I be a life coach? Yes, yes, Yes. in
2: the podcast land. I don't think we can afford you. Can I? Can I be lady life coach in the SoundCloud of? I don't know. I don't understand. Oh my god! In the cloud. <laughs> Look at the cloud. This ethereal world of podcasting sound—it's just yeah.
0: so true that I love it. It's like it's your your advice sums up what you what I think you're about, even though only having met you for an yeah. hour. But as in just that idea about like you know you, you what using your opportunity to say what you want to say. And I feel you yeah. do that in the work, but also by the sounds of what you've worked on in terms of your activism, you do that. You've used the work as a platform to do that, aside from that as well.
2: The activism is interesting because that came at uni and then I really didn't do much. I just was having children and, and being angry and maybe going and graffitiing something and shouting at But when I met those girls on plebs... And the sort of boisey nature. We happened to be staying in an awful hotel that had something called the Candy Bar underneath, which was basically a prostitute's hotel. And the girls were, were very young and the men were older. And often you'd get into a lift and there would be a young girl. And I just wanted to give them money and go, please yeah. run as fast mm. as you can. So the whole thing conspired to me writing an article uh, for the Hay Festival, um, who had asked me to just go and do a chat about something that I felt powerful you know angry about and i thought well it, it's 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 violence on tv and so it came to be an article that i wrote in that hotel room on masses of oh, bits of paper wow. and then i did that at the at the hay and it, it, there was a, quite a small audience, and I remember they were pouring bottles into the bin behind, so it was really hard to hear. So every so often, a massive amount of bottles were going <laughs> to this bin, and I remember thinking, "This is shit," you know, reading my in a sort of weird armchair on a stage, reading this script and going. But I I remember writing it, and feeling incredibly passionate, and then after that, someone had seen it and tweeted. So this is a good thing about social media, I suppose, had had tweeted it to someone else. And then someone at the New Statesman wanted to see it. Mm. And then they put it up on the New Statesman. And then it went viral. And then it inspired the radio show. So that came from talking to two girls in a hotel room uh, about their experiences. And so keeping... So now, if I'd been watching a box set, tweeting my daily thing, I might not have done that article. I wouldn't have had enough time. Or I would have gone... Oh, that was awful, wasn't it? Oh, you poor things, you know. Oh, well, you've had to do two rape scenes. Oh, that's awful. Anyway, moving on. But it, I think it, time is very important to use well because that was a really important thing to do because that radio show has then sparked lots of other things. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go around speaking about this, but I want to put it into the work that I do and I want to inspire other young younger people and people coming up through the business and people my age to to not do those programs. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And since you know I've had people call me from from read-throughs and go, "Oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah. I I have I've, I haven't worked for fucking 3 years. I'm absolutely desperate to do this, but there's a horrific scene in it. What shall I do?" and I, I go, lol, I can't I can't advise you, but this is what I would do. Yeah. I would talk to the director and say, "Do we need to have this?" And if he goes, "Yes," then maybe you don't do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, when you're in the front line, you're in a read through, and you're like, "Oh, I've got this. He's an amazing director. It's got this, you know, Georgie character. I've got a great part. What do I do?" That's the hard thing. Absolutely. And, you know, and to say to them on set, "I don't want to." drop the towel I, no I don't want to wear the body stocking I've said I don't want to show anything but when you're there they want you to so it's uh, the letting that's why the Me Too movement has been a great uh, yeah. a great thing yeah. because it's protected people on set and, and off set women I was about to go into drama schools and talk to young girls to say what you don't need to do in yeah. the business yes. uh, and the Me Too movement has it, sort of allowed for, uh, has made me not have to do that because I think I would hope that younger actresses and actors would know not to go into a hotel room
0: with a producer by themselves. And I think producers also would be much more cautious about doing that now. Yes, 100%.
1: So, Dune, just to round everything off, this has been amazing, Um, we do have one final question. Oh,
0: I think Dune's answered that. I think it's the same as the question you just asked. Well, it
1: could be slightly different. Let's see, because that's that's advice to people, but this is about herself and what she's learned. So if there's one thing that your career in comedy has taught you about life, what is it?
2: Oh, gosh, that's hard.
0: (laughs) Demanding yet more great answers from you.
2: Comedy, comedy. To not be afraid of looking stupid um, or ugly Mm. or looking, um, you know, that thing, fail again, fail better. I think with Smack the Pony, being able to dress up and look hideous um, (laughs) in most of my... (laughs) um, People found that, in, you know, people were really like, "Wow, I mean, God, you looked awful in that." <laughs> you know, I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah." And then you know, what I'll do is, you'll happened. see me in my nice frock, and then I'll look really pretty, yeah. like you know. So don't be afraid to look not perfect, yeah. Yes. Like and actually fail, you know, really do something that doesn't work, yeah. In the old days of stand-up, we used to literally go on stage with pieces of paper, and it was a bit like if the audience didn't like it, they. No one booed you off, but there would just not be much of a reaction and you'd go, okay, that doesn't work. Okay, let's try that. Let's try the next thing. And with Smack the Pony, we played all this, the sketches into a live audience and we cut the ones that they didn't laugh at.
0: Right, yeah. Mm. I mean, there's the barometer, So, so, so it
2: doesn't matter that people don't laugh. It doesn't mean you're shit. It just <laughs> means that doesn't quite work or, you're, or it's too much of an in-joke. So I think, um, yeah, be, a, be, be very willing to fail.
0: So Fail and don't be afraid to look shit. Amazing, <laughs> Thank, Jean, thank you, you so so, so much. been brilliant, Pleasure. and you're a natural at podcast. So definitely yeah. do more. I'm never doing anything but this podcast again
2: and again. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> great.